Coming up, a tearful return to the Patricia Hinchy Centre. The RH show is cancelled for this year, but facility upgrades could be on the horizon. Greens at Chalambar Golf Club are redesigned, Arad North Primary School gains more maintenance funding and a date has been pencilled in for the next Arad market. You're listening to Arad's Latest with local journalist Jack Ward. Hello and welcome. Life is starting to return to some sort of normal. It was fantastic to see a number of local eateries opening up for sit-down meals again last week. Beauty services are taking appointments and visitors are flocking to the Grampians. The one thing that does worry me is that the virus is still lingering, but fingers crossed health authorities can keep a handle on that if we can continue to do our part as well. I'm also interested this week to hear what your thoughts are on the new local paper. Are you enjoying it? I'm loving the opportunity to be part of the team. And the response I've been receiving has been really positive, which is great to hear. I think we're all interested, though, of course, to hear what Australian community media decides to do with the Arad advertiser. Will it return? Uh, I think that's a question that we're going to have to wait and see what the answer for is in the coming weeks. Now, this time last week, I visited the Patricia Hinchy Centre. Perhaps you might know it as the Day Centre because it was their first day back in business after the pandemic forced them to close their doors for 10 weeks. The visit was the highlight of my week. I spoke with clients Graham and Teresa and staff, such as the centre's manager, Jacinta Harmon. So the day centre was put into lockdown as of the 25th of March. And as a team here, we sat down and worked out how we can still provide services for our community people. So we came up with a plan that we would go out and deliver the activities, conduct the welfare checks and do essential shopping. And mental health played a big part in this because they all struggled with what is this virus, Um, they were scared, and that friendly face visiting every day was just amazing. What has it meant for staff? Have staff been able to continue their normal work? So with staff, it was a bit of a challenge for staff because it's completely different to what they were doing. So normally you have people, we bring people and come here and do group activities, but this was totally turned around the other way where we had to go out. Um, the staff here were very amazing, embraced everything, every challenge. They actually enjoyed the change um, and found it very rewarding that they could do um, catch up on these people that live out in the community. And for the, the clients that are coming in and utilising the day centre, how lonely have they been during this time? Yes. So we found that um, they were a bit isolated and they were very lonely. Didn't cope very well for the first month or so because some of them didn't understand what the virus was. All they kept thinking was, it's terrible, it's going to kill me. First day back, what are some big changes that have been put in place? Um, Educating the people about the restrictions and the social distance. We're a very um, close and friendly service here. And they want to come and just embrace you and say, I'm back, you know, I give you a cuddle and a kiss. And that's been hard that we can't show that side of affection. So educating them and saying, look, we can't do this anymore. Um, Normally they come and walk around and do what they want to do. Now they have this designated space and chair. And some don't quite understand that. 
you know, the hand gel, the temperatures, they do struggle a bit with it, but we just have to support and reassure them every day that everybody's doing this. Graham Bailey has been attending the day centre since November last year and couldn't be happier that the service is operating once again. When the centre rang me last week to let me know that we were coming back today, I actually cried. I was that excited, I cried. Yeah. Is that how much this means to you? That's how much this centre means to me. When we all got here this morning, the whole place lit up. Because you've been isolated for so long, haven't you? Yeah, we've been isolated for so long and not being able to see one another. Oh, sure, we've been, we, a lot of us have been writing letters to one another and that way we've kept in touch, but it's not the same as physically because we are like one big family. One big family is a great way to sum up the atmosphere at the Patricia Hinchy Centre, that's for sure. The Ararat Show Society has cancelled its annual agriculture show, which was scheduled for the last Sunday in October. Committee member and president Gwenda Orgwood joins me to discuss the decision. Gwenda, I'm guessing the coronavirus has played a major part in this decision. Why have you cancelled the show? Well, we've got a bit of a problem in that we work with the, um, the whole of the Wimmera group and, as you know, stores on the day before they decided um, some couple of weeks ago to actually cancel. So the carnival people told us that they wouldn't be coming. Um, there's other really major issues too, like only being able to have 50 people. Um, that makes it very hard for us. Uh, we've been told that we need to wipe down all the rails and all the toilets and anything people touch, and that's really difficult. So it really would have been very difficult for us to do. And... We really can't be um, unfair to Rotary because they're very good to us. They volunteer to man the gate. Um, and, you know, there's so many things that are against us at the moment that we really don't have um, much hope of running a successful show. And that's the, the main issue that we've got. The other thing that we're um, very conscious of is that we need the shows, to be, the grounds to be upgraded. So, uh, you know, we're hoping that with the, there's going to be extra money. We actually have to have um, our advertisers come on board too. And, of course, a lot of those people are struggling. So we realised that that was going to be really difficult to attract advertisers. So there was just so many hurdles that we needed to jump over. It just wasn't going to work. So we, we had a ring around and we said, well, you know, what does a block of members think? And, and they said, look, it, it just wouldn't, ha wouldn't work. Hopefully at that particular time of the year there'll be something else that we can do. Hopefully we're working very closely with the council in trying to organise another event around that date um, so as people don't feel completely isolated. I'd like to actually be able to do something else to keep the momentum going because I really do think at the end, Jack, like in October, people are going to look at wanting to move around and do things. So I think each community needs to look at themselves and decide you know, if they can do something in a smaller scale with their community. Um, so it's not so hard. What sort of things are you looking at? Well, we've got a lot of people at the moment, like we've got wineries and we've got people who make jams and all sorts of things. And we're just hoping that if we work with the council, there may be something that we can put on um, basically in Barclay Street we might be able to do and attract some of those people from the Grampians and, uh, you know, get people to come to our app for our own individual function. We've got a lot of empty shops at the moment, so maybe there's an opportunity to open up one of those and, and have a bit of a wine tasting. I mean, that would be different for our app. We haven't done that before, and I've lost count of the amount of wineries. I knew there were, there were 13 at one stage, 
but there's a lot more. But there's a lot of people out there doing a lot of good things that we haven't even heard about yet. A lot of people working from home. And we need to showcase those people if we can. Now, looking towards the upgrades that, that you're looking to possibly do in the near future at the showgrounds, yes, what would they yes. include? Well, we'd, we'd love to do up the room where we exhibit the, um, the handcraft. That needs to be done. And the cooking goes in that area as well. And, and we'd really love to give that a facelift. I mean, um, there's a real dream that I think Donna's had from day one that we would get that all upgraded. And it'd be lovely to have it all glass so as people can see out and even we might be able to have functions there working with the trotting club and they've been very good to us too, the trotting club, um, you know, and if we could have a facility that we could share down there, that would be another something else for the uh, Arrow Rural City, that would be great. What would the cost be looking at something like that? We're probably looking at about a quarter of a million dollars, mm-hmm. so 250000 we we actually put into the grant that was going around just recently and we did all our figures then and that's what it came to to upgrade the whole area. And the problem we've got is not only are the walls asbestos, uh, also the tiles. So anything that was done, we'd have to do the whole thing rather than just you know do it in bits and pieces. Where would you be looking to get some of those funds from? Will you be looking at other grants? We will and I've been contacted by the show society and they're saying that... Uh, Later this year, apparently the um, the, show, the federal government is going to announce a $20 million grant to agricultural shows. Um, and, you know, I'm hoping that we would get into that mix this time um, and it would be great if we could actually get some of that money. And, you know, we've still got the state, the state government have been very good over the years. They've given a lot of small grants where we've been able to create small improvements like we built the... Uh, we First of all, we put cement on the floor of the poultry. Then we put up, um, instead of having everything on boxes, we put it on trestles. Then we bought our own trestles. Uh, we had to fix up a lot of plumbing areas around there. Then we created the art room. I mean, we've, we've done a lot of work there, just in little, little bits of money that we could match and then we would get from the state government. But unfortunately, the federal government hasn't done a lot of recognition of shows over the years. And I think that's really disappointing. If you can rally together this money, would the idea be to, to get that work going this time next year, say before next year's show? Oh, look, if we got the money tomorrow, I'd start then. I mean, we're shovel ready, as everybody says, but we really are. We've got the plan. Just need um, the money. And, you know, and we've got the go-ahead. We've got the time to do it. Uh, and now would be the time to move it. And we're raring to go. President of the Arat Show, Gwenda Awkward there. Have a story? Are you or someone you know holding a community event? I want to know what you know about local issues and upcoming events. Contact Arats Latest via Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or email arratslatest at gmail.com. Your story may instigate a community discussion, help a local organization, and importantly, keep locals informed. Coming up, an update on junior football, but first, Ararat North Primary School has welcomed $70,000 of additional funding from the Victorian Government to complete maintenance work. Of the $70,000, $60,000 will be used to improve their building's fire safety and remove flammable materials. The remaining $10,000 will fund smaller projects such as cracked pavements and repainting. School Principal Rick Alice spoke with me about the news this week. Because our little school is uh, close enough to the bushland, we have to make sure that the 
the uh, all the the windows, the eaves, the vents, everything is is spark proof and smoke proof. We also have to make sure that any all flammable materials are moved further away from or eliminated from around buildings. So we've been given a grant to be able to do that, and we're just starting in on that process. And the rest of the money, the other part of the grant that we've received, uh, is for all those minor maintenance things that are just annoying more than anything else. So, you know, little cracks in the pavement or, uh, you know, sort of where a little bit of painting needs to be done to freshen things up. You know, over the life of the school, there are always those little things to be done. Uh, but there's never enough money, so the department's made the decision to make sure that we've got the resources to be able to employ trades to come in and do that work. I went through a process at the end of last year where we identified all of these things that needed doing and we're given a small amount of money to do it, but that was never going to be enough. Uh, and so it's fantastic that the department's recognised that we needed more money to do that work uh, and to get it done in a timely fashion. So, of course, with uh, COVID-19 and uh, the, the stress around employment, especially for trades as the building trade drops off, uh, then it's great that the government's putting in the money into schools that'll make sure that uh, that money goes to as much as possible local trades, tradesmen and, and uh, suppliers. Ground staff at Chalambar Golf and Bowls Club have utilised the recent course closure to conduct upgrades that have been on hold for decades. Club manager Bonaventure Ty and ground superintendent Chad Gilmore spoke with me about the work last week. While the club has been closed, you've been able to undertake some work on the course. What yep. sort of work has that been? Uh, so we did a, the ninth green. We re-levelled uh, the whole right-hand side. It had about a two-and-a-half metre, three-metre fork. So we put 22 tonne of soil on there, levelled it up, shaped it and put the turf back down. Um, we whole, uh, whole 18, we completely redesigned the green. So we brought the front up a bit and made it a two-tier and put a new bunker in. And um, the old bowling green, we ripped the surface off that and we make that into a big putting green. So that's just the seed's been down for three weeks now. It's just starting to germinate and pop up, so we just let it do its thing. What was the instigator to making those changes? Um, well, the 9th and the 18th, we couldn't use the front half of the green or the whole right-hand side of the 9th green. So we had 50% of the green we could use. And now on the 9th green, we have about 85% of the green which is usable for holes. Uh, the 18th, you'd have probably four hole positions at the back and that was it, you couldn't use the whole front half of the green. So we had all the stockpile soil and stuff on course, so we just um, redesigned the whole front of the green and put a bunker in and made it a good finishing hole now. I think it's a bit of a new attraction for the course. There's been some negatives out of this situation, but I guess this has provided a good opportunity for yeah. this. Would you be able to undertake this work if it wasn't no. for... No, green? it's been, I think it's been 20 years I wanted want to do those two greens and we sort of made a positive out of negative. So it was good for us to get, we got a lot of uh, stuff we needed to get done before golfers got back here. Like that, those two jobs are massive, got them done. So really happy with the outcome. Golfers seem to like it. So just, yeah, everything's going pretty well at the moment. Bon, as a club, how exciting is it to have this work done? Oh, very, very exciting. Like, like Chad said, it has taken quite some time. And um, I think the, the the shutdown of the golf course has allowed us that opportunity to, to do that and do it within the time frame that we had. It was pretty amazing that it did. To the, the two holes in literally a week mm. um, to turn it around. Um, so there has been some positives out of it. Because, I mean, during this time, I guess you could have sat back and had a bit of a break, but instead you've gone ahead and done this work. Yeah, no, look, it, it, it was important. It, it was important for, for the club to you know, be sustainable and, and continue to move forward. 
Um, yes, you're right, Jack. We could have just sat back and, and did absolutely nothing. Um, but the, the consequences to, to follow with such approach um, uh, could hurt the club even more. And Chad, you're saying that you've heard some feedback from golfers. They've just been back now for a week or two. Yep. What has that feedback been like? Uh, it's all been positive. Um, they're not really happy about the bunker, but that's just that's just golf. Um, yeah, a lot of good positives, and the course is really good at the moment. For we've got a lot of stuff done, and like we've only got a small crew here and a lot of area to cover. So I've got my two boys out there, and they've really pulled like this, they're buying into what I wanted to get this course. Like I want to eventually make this one of the best courses in the region. So that's my goal. So one of the reasons I moved down here from Queensland was to take the challenge, and it's a big challenge for me. So I want to like compete with Ballarat and Horsham and get to where they are and get even better. So that's the plan: make a bit of a attraction. People want to come to the area and come play golf at Challey. That's the, my mm. outcome. Yeah. The Ararat market's return has been penciled in for July 12, as long as the coronavirus situation remains stable. Organiser Debbie Warrior has been working hard to get the market back on its feet amidst the global pandemic. She is with me now. Debbie, how has the market been affected by COVID-19? Oh, it's been affected in a lot of ways. The, the local traders have really been, um, you know, affected economically. And with all these changes, with the new COVID sort of rules in June, we couldn't sort of do it then. July, it's even going to be a bit of a battle set it all up but yeah we're going to give it a go provided that things don't change with the governments and stuff. Yeah well you're in contact with a lot of stallholders and I believe you're a stallholder yourself. How are you coping financially? For a lot of a lot of people this is their income isn't it? Yeah it is. I mean I'm lucky I can do sort of a little bit online but uh, a lot of them where they get their items from from the stalls they haven't been able to get it and they um, sort of you know, so they couldn't sell online or anything like that. And a lot of them just rely on orders when people come in the market. So they're definitely struggling, yeah. Just, I mean, a lot of them do it just as a hobby. So their work was, they were cut back in that as well. So they were really itching to get back to the market. Some of them lost their jobs. So, yeah, financially, it's really taken a toll. You've, you, you've said you've moved online um, with some of your stuff and a number of people have. How has that been going for you? Are you getting the same the same orders coming through and the amount of orders or not? Yeah, I'm not doing too bad. Um, I'm averaging, you know, probably half of what I did at the market. Not that I do that many. I only do two a month. But, um, you know, it's not too bad. Better averaging than nothing. A little bit. Yeah, better mm. than nothing. It's, it's not going to pay anything mega but and the next market has been confirmed at this stage if everything's going along okay to be held on July 12th is that going to look yeah. very different though uh yes it's going to be just outside we couldn't keep to the uh, rules and regs for the COVID for inside because uh, we had too many stall holders and with how many people were allowed in as well it would have made it just too hard outside it's not going to be too bad but we still have to restrict our stallholders so we'll probably keep to our regulars and let a couple of extras in but the numbers will be down to nor you know from what they normally are when it comes to people attending the outdoor market do you have to monitor that amount of people we have to keep an eye on it um we're going to have a someone set up at the exit and entrance and try and keep a tab of how many actually people are flowing through but we've also got to make sure that we have the sanitizer and the 1.5 distancing rules as well. So 
we have to separate all the stalls 1.5 apart where they're normally pretty close. Um, and we also have to space our aisles out a lot uh, more as well. So it will definitely look a lot different. It'll probably look empty, but we will have a fair few stalls, but yeah, it, it's going to be spread out a lot more. Yeah, how many stalls uh, are you going to expect? We're looking at probably 30 at the moment. We normally have around about the 65 inside and out during this time of year, um, but we're probably down to about half that size because a lot of the ladies from inside can't go outside due to health reasons and stuff. So it's still affecting them not being able to get back, but at least we've got the majority of people starting to come back and give them a bit of income. And this is in place for July and August, is that right? Uh, we're plan- Yeah, planning outside for July, August at this stage. Uh, the council are a little bit weary just in case some of the there's some changes to the laws. But at this stage, we are planning for the July, August markets, yeah. This week's Your Say poll links in with this next story about local sport. The question was, should local sport resume in 2020? 41% of the 106 respondents said that yes, sport should resume. The majority, 59%, said it should not. The Ararat and District Junior Football Association doesn't have any plans to return to training just yet following a committee meeting with coaches and team managers on the 26th of May. And that included Association President Cam Evans, who spoke with me the day after the meeting. Yeah, we we all got together. The committee uh, coaches and and team managers got together just to discuss the information as we have it at hand. Uh, I attended an AFL uh, Wimmer Mallee meeting last week or WebEx meeting last week and, uh, and the local representative took all of the the leagues, uh, the, the major leagues around the Wimmeramalli and, and the junior leagues through the expectations or what um, AFL Victoria knew at that stage and uh, the requirements around things like having uh, COVID offices, uh, people who have done the, the, the training on the federal website uh, and the rules and stipulations around uh, groups of 10 training separate parts of the oval, not mixing um, um, people training in between groups, not bringing people in and out of groups and, and all that sort of stuff. So really, uh, you know, got our heads around and consistent. So we all understood it, it from an AG, ADJFA point of view, uh, you know, what those are. And then uh, had the discussion around what does that, what does that look like for us? Those regulations that have been, I guess, put out for all for all clubs across the whole state, are they practical for the junior association? Look, it is tougher. I, I think the pr- practicality is, yeah, you know, I mean, given that, that those, those um, recommendations will be made, uh, you know, with, with the advice or consultation with the uh, appropriate health officers. So um, appropriate, no doubt. Practical, probably a little bit tougher for juniors. I mean, to to tell uh, juniors that, um, you know, everything's, uh, from a training point of view at the moment, is non-contact, so not even a, a bump or a, or a shoulder or, a, or a, you know, a bit of fun on the way past as you're, as you're running lines or, or, or doing what you do. So a little bit harder. 
um, you know, whether that, whether it's practical or not. I mean, we're we're keen to uh, keen to make it work. Yeah, so that brings me to my next question: How are you going to make it work? What's it going to look like here in Ara with the junior football? Yeah, look, at, at this stage, we resolved last night to um, wait another couple of weeks until the the next stage or or level of, of advice or uh, you know what we can and can't do is 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 brought down or, or told to us. So um, so no, uh, there'll be sort of nothing happening in the next in the next two weeks until we get together again uh, and make another decision. I think it's post the sort of, or the next date, I think that's top of mind from our point of view is, is June the 11th, maybe either side of that um, or around that date. Um, and then and then decide, you know, what we can do there. But what we are encouraging um, all to do at this stage is, uh, is get registered. So there's no uh, fees. To, to register now if you jump online and, and the best way to do that is go to the um, Arendt District Junior Football Association Facebook page um, where we'll be putting up a link to to register. Uh, you can click on that link and first and foremost, we've got to get registered. So AFL Victoria require, you know, anyone who's on to get registered because then we've got to, when we do get back to training, um, to, you know, to log uh, who's training, who they're training with, who they come in contact with, uh, all that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, so nothing that we'll that we can say sort of exactly what we're doing in, for the next couple of weeks, but encouraging get registered for when we can do something. The association will meet once again tomorrow night. That brings me to the end of this week's show. Remember to get in touch if you have a story. You can listen to all past episodes on your favourite podcasting app. Thanks for listening. This was Arat's latest.